Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. Join me as we explore spirituality, sexuality, wellness, and the magical world around us. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. Today, I am talking with professional astrologer and spiritual life coach, Luna Brooke. Now, this is actually a two-part episode, I guess you'd say. Today, it's a conversation with Luna about all things astrology, but when we were in the midst of this conversation, I realized, damn, I really should have had her do a reading for me. So I scheduled one a few weeks after this chat, and so next week I will talk about my own personal reading with Luna. I'll give a review of that, kind of what she's all about. But today, you're going to kind of get an Astrology 101 lesson, if you will. We'll talk about how it can show our strengths and weaknesses. Luna talks about how she became a professional astrologer, and she also talks a lot about chakras and astrology, and I really find this is one of the things that makes her extremely unique. I've had birth chart readings before, but she's the first person who really linked it to chakras, and I'll speak more on that next week, but I found that to be super illuminating. Now, we also talk about how astrology is an amazing empowerment tool, how the pandemic set a lot of people on the path to find their purpose, and what the fuck spiritual coaching really even is. I've heard this term. It's been thrown around on social media. So she's a spiritual coach, and I wanted to figure out what on earth that really meant. Now, if you would like to get a reading from Luna, which I highly recommend, she has an amazing coupon code that'll drop the price for a one-hour astrology reading to just 50 bucks. That coupon code is FREEHUGS, and I will put that in the show notes. Now, Luna is a professional astrologer and certified spiritual life coach. She's a member of the American Federation of Astrologers and holds a Bachelor of Science from RPI with dual majors in design, innovation, and society and mechanical engineering. Luna hosts Sacred Sister Circles in Burlington, Vermont on each new and full moon. She also offers astrology readings, tarot readings, and spiritual life coaching programs online with a 100% satisfaction and recommendation rate. Again, You can find all of her links to her social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and her website in the show notes below. Please help me welcome Luna Brooke to the Light Within podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Ah, thank you for having me. So first question I like to ask everyone is what ignites your light within? Mm, Great question. Um, Well, on a small scale, I love just working with the earth and being with the trees and the garden. And honestly, so much of the work I do is truly just at home in my garden. Uh, but then beyond that is connecting with other people on a soul level. And uh, exactly this question you're asking, going deep into that with other people and feeling just heart-based connections um, and really tapping into to spirit. Mm. So your bio says you're Mm. a professional astrologer, and I would love to know how you came by that journey in life. Yeah. Uh, So I'm a member of the American Federation of Astrologers, and that is just right a group of astrologers in America who want to help this be really treated as a science. Mm. And my educational background was really in science. I got a degree in mechanical engineering and design innovation and society, uh, which is very boring in the end. And astrology, why it never quite makes the cut as like a hardcore science is because spirituality is built into it, right? Uh, Birth, death, karma, these big concepts are in it. So it's never going to quite make the cut Mm. (laughs) as a standard science because spirit and afterlife and karma has no place in those conversations. Um, So the way I ended up falling or stumbling upon astrology was very... uh, natural. So I would speak about life as a poet, right? And I write poetry. And so I would describe people by the elements and planets and colors. 
right? She's in orange triangle in the water element and about myself too. And when I, uh, I'd have to think maybe 20 or 20 so, I met someone who was a professional astrologer, gave me their book and started telling me, right, that I'm the water element ruled by the moon and that my partner's the earth element from astrology. And this was all the same as what I was saying without ever ever having learned this science, right? All Mm -hmm. I knew was that I'm a cancer sun sign. (laughs) So when this added up and it's like, yeah, and you know what? I don't have any friends who are fire elements, right? Because they don't get along and everything checked out. Then I just went deeper into learning it and I've taken, you know, a course with the AFA, American Federation of Astrologers, to get that level of science where you understand uh, what the angles are between planets that make these influences stronger or weaker and go beyond, right, just knowing the descriptions of the 12 zodiacs. And what is your sun, moon, and rising sign? (laughs) Okay. My sun is Cancer. My moon is perfectly on the cusp of Scorpio and Sagittarius, and my rising is Scorpio, which uh, for anyone who has it, I call this the test. Um, So in esoteric astrology, your rising sign is the most important uh, piece of information in your birth chart. And... um, yeah, it tells you about what your biggest challenges on a soul level in this lifetime. Whereas your sun sign and really all your other planets tell you about your gifts, right? These are where energy flows easily. That's where uh, you resonate as a being. But your rising sign doesn't have a planet there. It can, right, by co- coincidence and alignment, but inherently it doesn't it's where the sun was rising at the moment of your birth so if you're born at 4 p.m 8 p.m mm-hmm. right, the sun wasn't rising at the moment of your birth i think that's so cool so when i started my spiritual journey my awakening in like january 2019 astrology was one of the first things that i sort of gravitated toward and it was such an interesting lesson for me that there were more things than just the sun. So my mine are Taurus, Sun, Libra, Moon, Leo, Rising, which makes mm. apparently very perfect sense to everyone who who knows me. I don't know a ton about astrology. I just right. I looked that stuff up. I got a, a natal chart reading and I read a few books. Some of my closest friends are Cancers. Apparently yeah. Taurus and Cancer go really well together. Yeah, um, best friends of Taurus. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I just think that that is, that's so interesting. And for me, when I was coming into this, you know, awakening part of my life, I felt very empowered looking at my astrological chart, at my signs. So why do you think astrology is an empowering self, self-empowerment mm-hmm. tool? Absolutely. I think on the first, uh, first part to that is just self-acceptance. Um So, and I'll use you as an example, Uh, Taurus and Libra are both ruled by Venus, who is a planet of love and pleasure and connects to the heart chakra. So with a very strong heart chakra, you are more trusting and forgiving. And that's why you end up in relationships, friendship or romantic, that last a really long time, right? You're very loyal because you have a strong heart and the capacity to forgive. So from an outside perspective, you could look at that person and be like, they're very naive, right? And you can put in that judgment on yourself and be like, well, I don't want to be naive. And then you start to resist being yourself. And ultimately that manifests disease because you're blocking energy from flowing where it is. And using myself as an example with cancer, who's very sensitive right? The symbol is the crab. Uh, And if you ever see a crab under that shell, it's the most squishy, vulnerable little creature. And so they are very sensitive. And we hear a lot, though, don't be so sensitive. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing where then you try to resist it. And what you're resisting are your greatest gifts, right? Forgiveness, sensitivity. These are our gifts. Mm -hmm. And by seeing that in astrology, that these are our gifts, And 
how it harmoniously fits in with all the other players to collectively move us forward, then you're stepping back into empowerment. Like I have to be who I am because the universe made me this way with very clear purpose to move the collective consciousness forward. So you see how you fit in. Um, And another example I could give to this is like looking at your hand, right? And maybe everyone wants to be the pointer finger because, right, it gets to tell people what to do and boss them around or the ring finger because it gets adorned with beautiful jewelry or the thumb because it's right got the opposable uh, aspects. But then, you know, and maybe people want to be the middle finger too to tell people off, right? Ah, I'm so angry. But no one wants to be the the pinky finger, right? The little finger. And it's not till you look at the entire hand like, ah, but I need my pinky finger, that you can really feel totally empowered as you are. Mm. And first of all, I thought that was so illuminating, some of that stuff, because <laughs> what's interesting to me is when you talk about the fact that both the Taurus and Libra are very, you know, ruled by things that sort of play into the heart chakra. And when you block that part off, you can create dis-ease. I feel see that shit in my life hard, like so, so big time. Mm. One of the things that's my goal for actually this menstrual cycle, but also like this year for me in general is to learn to live more openly from the heart. So I'm a news anchor Mm. by day and I have felt for years and years, I've been in the industry for 13 years that I've had to block all of my heart part off because if I did it, I would fall apart every day. Just because of all the horrible shit that we see on the news. I mean, especially this pandemic, my goodness. So to me, it's interesting that you're saying the same things that I feel within myself. Like when I, when I block that part off, it creates feelings of disease, you know, uneasiness, Mm. disconnection is big time. Also, I'm a serial monogamist. So that made sense too. (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, In the same way, though, that we can resist and it takes effort to block who we naturally are. Another thing that astrology shows us is what energies are really not natural to us, right? Mm -hmm. So where, um, okay, let me speak for myself, where my sacral chakra is very strong, my root chakra is very weak because I don't have a lot of earth element or Saturn in my Mm -hmm. chart. And that's results as like a lack of grounding, not necessarily wanting to take time to care for the physical body, like eating enough and sleeping enough. And those really mundane needs of the physical self. So the same way that it takes effort, it takes resistance to block your natural flow. Well, it takes effort to send energy somewhere that it doesn't naturally want to go. So you can use astrology as an empowerment tool to be who you are, as well as to tune into those frequencies that are not naturally yours, right? That you have to learn from other people. Um, I know at least in Buddhism, they teach that enlightenment is reached when all of the chakras are flowing unblocked. Mm. So astrology's motto is as above, so below, which is to say you're a reflection of the entire cosmos at the moment of your birth. And when I do a reading with someone, the first part of this reading is completely looking at where those planets are and thus how you identify as what your personality is. But the second part of the reading goes immediately into waking up to the fact that you are the whole universe, right? You're not just that standstill picture that you've now so deeply believed you are. And that's where it becomes a spiritual journey. And that was going to be where I went next. So, so yes, natal chart readings and birth chart readings for those folks who are listening who don't really know, it's a it's a reading that you get. You give, you know, the astrologer, you know, the place you were born, the exact time you were born, obviously your birth date, mm-hmm. um, and and you guys look at the whole sky on the exact moment, the second that you came forth into this world, because it 
and and the time is like super important, right? Because mm-hmm. some of that stuff can shift over what a couple of minutes or something. Yeah, well, your rising sign changes every two hours. Okay, two hours. Yeah, so I mean, most of your planets uh, are not going to move in a single day. I mean, they'll move a little, of course, uh, but for the most part, Mercury, Venus, the Sun, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn are going to be in the same place, and the far out planets, right? Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, well, they move very slowly relative to mm-hmm. the Earth. So they're definitely going to be in the same spot. The moon changes signs like every two and a half, three days. So that's pretty significant. A full day, right? If you don't know what time you're born that day, your moon sign is probably, right? You've got like a 70% chance that it's at least in the right sign. But where in that sign is going to change and that affects how it communicates or aspects with other planets. But still, mostly how your planets fall in this circle and how they aspect with each other, other than the moon, is going to be the same. And you can get a lot, a lot, a lot of info from just your birthday. The time takes us a level deeper than we get into the 12 houses. So if we think of planets as a driving force. Everyone has them right? You're going to be triggered to use these forces in your life. Then the zodiac signs they're in is how you express that force, Mm -hmm. okay? The house, which is completely dependent on time of day. Like I said, your house is changed by every two hours. You're going to be on a completely new landscape. Um, Those affect where you apply those forces to. So, for example, if my sun is in cancer, which for me, right, it is, for me, it's in the eighth house, which has to do with your deepest, most intimate relationships, um, the unspoken contracts within them. And this is an area that's very unseen and hidden, Mm. which means, right, I'm applying most of my goals and my life's work actually to my relationships and creating safe space and vulnerability within those. Now, if this same placement was placed in the 10th house, which has to do with career and vocation and something that's totally in the limelight in the public space, I would be applying (laughs) my cancer skills in a completely different way, right? Mm -hmm. I would be taking that into a larger setting, um, being in front of people, being seen and recognized as that, and most likely also earning an income directly from that as opposed to, right, developing those skills there and then reapplying the energy to make it work for the 10th house. So uh, that's where we see is, is how you apply your gifts into the very uh, typical areas of life that we go through each day and each month. Can you have a bad birth chart? Or like, can you, Stop when you it. look at something, can you see, some, like, can you see bad shit? Okay, I'll tell you this. Uh, some people are blessed with easier okay. lives than others. People with easy lives are more likely to be narcissistic and not understand other points of view, oh. right? They think they're right. They know what's right in them. So they're not conflicted between feelings and thoughts and things like that, right? It's a very congested chart in one area. Things get hard when we have internal oppositions, right? Meaning you have these two needs that are opposite and you have Mm -hmm. to meet both of them. And that will tear you apart inside trying to meet those needs when you are like, how can I have both of these? But this also makes life kind of interesting and almost as hard as it is, and those are called hard aspects, as hard as it is, It's what makes life fun, right? And it helps you to relate to other people and it drives you to form more relationships, more connections, because the only way to understand yourself more is to understand how what's happening out around you that as above, so below again applies. And so often we wake up different parts of ourselves through relationships, um, so no, there, there are no good and bad charts. There are easier and harder lives. There are also busier 
and simpler lives, mm. right? Some people <laughs> have hard childhoods, hard, I don't, you know, young adulthood, hard adulthood, and then hard elderly life. Right. Other people might have just one area of that that's challenging and maybe a really easy childhood, but a really tough adulthood. Um, so I, people who have tough parts in all of these sections, they have incredibly busy lives. Mm -hmm. Right. They have so many challenges to overcome and that's going to keep them busy, engaged and moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing, too, I, I go back to some personality traits are celebrated in our society and some are really spoken negatively upon, right? When I talk about elemental energies, people are, by nature, airheaded. Some people are, by nature, hot-headed, mm -hmm. right? And those literally sound like insults. There are so many times I say something to people and they it sounds like I'm insulting them, but that's only because we have such judgment on a particular personality type and they're all necessary. So, you know, you talk about an airhead, for example, that's also someone who's a visionary, right? With an active imagination, mm -hmm. um, idealistic, perhaps, whereas someone I might describe who's pessimistic by nature, well, they're just really tuned into the root chakra. What is by the most limiting, uh, definitive, meaning material space, right? They're prepared for the worst, but they're the same people who can deal with crises. And if you drop them in the middle of a burning forest, they're going to figure out what to do, how to lead everyone out of this and, and get some food and shelter. So, um, collectively, we really celebrate the solar plexus chakra. That's mm -hmm. also the sun's energy. Everyone only knows their sun sign and astrology, right? We are obsessed with these goals and doing and achieving. And so Leos um, have the strongest solar plexus chakra. And I think that is a sign people like a lot, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm playful. I'm a leader. I'm charismatic. Uh, and that's just aligned with what we put a lot of focus on as a culture. Hmm. It's so interesting because I've dated a lot of Leos. <laughs> really? That is interesting. Uh, yeah, especially now that I know my rising is a Leo. <laughs> yeah. They move at a much quicker pace than Taurus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I used to be very judgmental about Taurus in general because I thought, okay, we're just stubborn and lazy. And, mm. and now I read something and it was, it was explaining more fully the bull, right? Mm -hmm. Think of the bull and Taurus as like Ferdinand who like wanted to smell the flowers and was super chill to just hang out in the pasture all day and was loving life because of the little things yeah. versus like the bull in the China shop, which is kind of what you were saying society's, you know, common colloquial identifier for a bull is just mm -hmm. somebody who just is ah, everywhere, not where mm -hmm. they're supposed to be and, and wreaking total havoc versus a very calm, friendly. And patient. And yes. patient. So, you know, you pause on lazy there because that is, uh, you know, Capricorn and Taurus are both going to get pinned out <laughs> falling into to being lazy because they are our two patient zodiac mm -hmm. signs and they need to be patient we need somebody to carry out these long-term projects and visions and hold us accountable for the work we've put in in the past mm -hmm. right i talked about airheads before they're gonna let go let go let go always of the work done in the past mm -hmm. right so and taurus is an earth element this earth element is the slowest wavelength there is when we connect to the root chakra that's like the color red which has the slowest wavelength on the visible light spectrum so energy moves through this at a slow pace right you have to move slow to simply be yourself that's not lazy that is your pace right mm -hmm. you burn out quicker because you're not supposed to change projects and change course all the time there are plenty of other people, Aries, out of the pack, who are going to do that for you. 
And who's going to carry out these projects? Who's going to hold us accountable to what we've already done? Taurus mm. Capricorn. Wow. So you talk a lot about chakras. Obviously, it's in the name of your business. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, how they are related to astrology. This is the first time I've really heard anybody talk about the two being linked together, which is pretty Mm -hmm. interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when we talk about energy, how could do we not end up talking about the chakras? So with astrology, you are looking at the energy of the planets. Okay. Now chakras are energies within us. So by that nature, they are not the same things, but they do carry the same energetic frequencies in different space. And uh, some zodiac signs connect to more than one chakra but each planet really only connects to one chakra so this let's start with the sun the sun connects to your solar plexus chakra right and this makes sense because it's the fire element and the sun is what feeds plants which we eat and digest in our stomach right which is like burning this fire energy from the sun at our core so yeah it makes sense the sun is at our solar plexus the moon rules our sacral chakra okay and this has an abundance of water the bladder the urinary tract all that good stuff uh for well for everyone but women especially right our reproductive organs uh the water in there is being affected by the moon the same way it would affect the oceans. It's pulling, it's making our emotions wax and wane so that our emotions are changing. The root chakra, which connects all the way to our legs and our feet too, and is the earth element. uh, It's like we're literally standing on the earth and drawing that energy up. Uh, so let's keep going here. Saturn also connects us to the root chakra. Saturn is the last planet we can see with the naked eye, right? So this, and it's got those, uh, rings, which Mm -hmm. keep it constrained. So likewise, with the root chakra earth element has us dealing with those tangible, realistic limitations, constraints, right? The restraints of being human, Saturn draws our attention to that too. It's also the father of time. Mm. Um, Mercury connects us to the throat chakra. And that really is, all these planets are named after different gods and uh, they're named after the Roman gods, but they have Greek god equivalents. Mm -hmm. So Mercury is this uh, like communication center as well as really the intelligence center, because it's how we take in information right through our ears first, how we process it in the lower mind, which is where intelligence really lies and logic and reason. And we go through that whole process before we communicate back out what we've synthesized. Mm. Uh, Venus, I already said, connects to the heart chakra, right? This is love, pleasure, how we relate and find beauty. Mars is another solar plexus chakra energy. The manifestation of the sun and Mars are not super similar because Mars is how we respond in an aggregated state. It's your martial style. Jupiter then also connects to the sacral chakra. And you'll notice now that our lower chakras have more planets connected to them. Well, this makes sense because our physical bodies are much denser in this lifetime than our spiritual bodies, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we've got Jupiter in the sacral, and this is an expansive, abundant, fortunate energy, right? This is pleasure. (laughs) So this is like how we experience all the good of the sacral chakra. Um, Our third eye is influenced by sun and moon, but Uranus and Neptune, which are the far out planets, right? You cannot see those with the naked eye. They start taking you into your higher chakras that connect you to really far out dimensions. So Uranus connects us a little to the crown um, and Pluto as well takes us up into the third eye and crown. 
that's just how the planets kind of fall in our bodies. Each of the zodiac signs then are ruled by one or two planets Mm -hmm. and an element. So each of those zodiac signs are going to, right, be connected to one, two, or three chakras. There's so much information in this. Do you find that people get overwhelmed? Um, well, I really stick to them, right? So when I start a reading, I draw um, uh, the client's default energy flow, right? Which means if you're not resisting sending energy, if you're not resisting the flow of your default energy, and you're not really consciously trying to activate a particular chakra at that time, This is how your energy naturally flows. And at this point, starting this way, people really don't get overwhelmed because mostly it's like, yeah, yeah, that's so me. Yeah, 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 that's so true. Um, And then in that second part of the reading, when you look at the waking up to being the whole universe and your birth chart and those challenges and everything you go through... um, that's when it gets more complicated, <laughs> right? We we know ourselves so deeply that it's very intuitive to receive the information about where your energy is flowing. Uh, and a lot of times people don't get hung up on the details, right? I went through the process of kind of mapping out and making these connections so that not everyone else has to. Uh, but for anyone who wants to, there is a lot of information about chakras and astrology and how they line up. So your work as a spiritual life coach, mm. first of all, just speaking with you, you can really tell like how spiritual you are, how connected you are to all of this. Like it, like you come across very, very well in those ways. Mm. What is a spiritual life coach and how does that connect with your work as an astrologer? Mm-hmm. So first, let's answer what's a life coach, right? A life coach is going to help you to uh, make decisions you're happy with, to manifest what you are desiring to have, uh, positive physical health, mental health, emotional health, and ideally also spiritual health. Mm -hmm. A spiritual life coach puts spirit first. So there's nothing superficial about any of it, right? It's not... I want a, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds and, and look good. It's I have this sacred vessel that I need to take care of so that my spirit can carry out its purpose, right? So we're always trying to carry out the soul's purpose to move forward on your spiritual path and your physical, emotional, and mental health are all baby steps along that. So you're integrating spirit into every part of your life right? Your work is part of your spiritual life. Your relationships are part of your spiritual journey. It's not about, I sit on my meditation pillow for an hour every day. I have such a deep spiritual practice, right? This is integrating your spiritual practice into everything you do so you can live life deeply and fully. I got into spiritual life coaching as a byproduct of doing these astrology readings. Right. Because when I sit with someone to do a birth chart reading, you're literally looking at your whole life, past, present and future. And, you know, people can get really gassed up and excited about being on track for these huge goals that maybe they have as a vision in their head, but the universe had designed for them, too. And so I can give you all this information and be like, OK, good luck. Right. And that's how it really felt. So I decided to, uh, you know, go through the certification process to get training to help people (laughs) move forward. And we set goals at the beginning. Right. And these are very personalized goals. You know, a very um, tangible one might be something like I want to live more in communion with nature. Whereas a more spiritual one might be, uh, I want to have more vulnerability in my relationships. Mm. And now we look at the birth chart, we use this information every step along the way, right? If you're looking to have more vulnerability in your relationships, where in the past 
did you like learn to not trust? Where were you hurt? What was that big challenge? Because they are storylines at the same time, you know, um, time is so irrelevant because you can play the, in a minute if you'd seen it that quick, but usually we're looking at years and years and years and years, decades that these stories take to play out. Um, so you kind of need the awareness of the full story to level up to where you are now and, and take that step past it. Um, also working with the chakras, you can really get supportive energy from the universe, from working with those energies, right? So if you did have a weak solar plexus chakra, just what I talked about with the digestion, increasing your core strength, right, is going to help you to literally feel more confident. So you can Mm -hmm. assert yourself more. If boundaries and asserting boundaries is your challenge, I'm not going to tell you day one, go assert your boundaries. Uh, That's my challenge, right? But I might tell you, strengthen your core, right? Do these core exercises for the next two weeks. And then after that, okay, drink some lemon water. Okay, start sitting with taller posture. And then all of a sudden, you're going to come back with a stronger solar plexus chakra. So now it's time to assert your boundaries. And you have the energetic capacity to do so. Mm. How has all of this work changed your life? I mean, how how has it evolved? I mean, what were you like before all of this? Yeah, well, great question. Um, Astrology on its own, before changing my job, astrology changed my life. Okay, so when I talk about being very sensitive, I'm very sensitive to my environment, other people's energy, all that good stuff. Uh, So I actually was living in New York City, which I hated. Like, literally, it was the worst spot I could be. And I was there for three years. But I went there after college to get a job, right? I was on a very clear path based on uh, expectations and really ego, right? What I should be doing, not what I wanted to do, what my heart was craving, right? The following of passions, just what I should do, right? I should study engineering because I'm good at math and science. I should move to the city because I'll get a job there. I should work nine to five so that I can make this money to pay off my student loans. Now that, that was my track. But then, you know, my father passed away. My brother passed away. And I was in a place where the only thing at that time really bringing me joy was learning about astrology and using my oracle cards. And I went deeper into those just so I could feel good, right? It was like I couldn't get by with this egoic fulfillment of things that didn't bring me joy, right? I didn't care anymore if people were like, you know, she's doing good, (laughs) right? Because that just wasn't the truth. And yeah, so learning astrology at the time and the cards, like it brought me a lot of joy And that's then moving forward how I continued to make decisions, right? So it was like eventually I'd look at my job and the future I saw for myself and was supported by interpreting my own chart, right? When I see this and I see the highest vision the universe has for me, what does my third eye bring into existence, right? That's my path. Um, And... You know, a lot of that had to do with becoming a master in spiritual healing. And I still am studying the chakras, right? Even with being a professional astrologer, I'm still practicing astrology. It's just the only way to do that is with clients so that I can get more and more birth charts to look at. Um, So it's fun for me because now I'm doing something I love right? Like I love being able to work with my clients and I wake up and, you know, write what I'm grateful for. And every single person I'm going to work with that day shows up because I'm so grateful they're allowing me to continue going deep into astrology and into tarot, into these things I love and have a very finite capacity for what I can do with them on my own. Um, 
So I was just following my joy, really, to get into all of this. But I only came from reaching a point when it was like, I did everything I should, and I just wasn't happy. And that's where so many people are when they show up for a chart reading, right? Because they've done everything right, even on a spiritual path, right? It's like, well, I, you know, I do my yoga and uh, drink this healing tea, but, my, you know, my heart, I don't feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have to look at lifestyle changes, which is what this career change was for me, uh, obviously, as well as moving out of the city and, and into Vermont. Mm. And the past, you know, 12 to 15 months with the pandemic, Mm. we have seen so many shifts. Some folks were forced to shift because they lost their job. Maybe they had to leave the city because they couldn't afford the rent because they weren't working. They had to move back home with their parents or they had to move somewhere cheaper. I mean, there's such an exodus when you look Mm. across the whole country and even across the world, folks moving from one spot to another in the past year due to the pandemic. What have you seen as far as your clients or just as far as the collective when it comes to folks looking past the should and maybe trying to connect more within their hearts. Have you seen folks go more in to asking about what their purpose is? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing that comes up a lot with the people I work with is the the term spiritual awakening. Uh, I never had used that term until I had like five different people say to me, I began my spiritual awakening, da, da, da. And eventually I had to like, stop. when did I begin my spiritual awakening? Um, but I've had a lot of people tell me they began their spiritual awakening at the beginning of this pandemic. Yeah. And that makes complete sense. Um, so, you know, I have a daily meditation practice. For me, that is the foundation of a spiritual practice. And anyone who does spiritual life coaching with me will have a daily meditation practice with meditation being defined in many, many different ways for different people. Uh, But at the end of the day, meditation is sitting with yourself. And if we go back, people used to do this, honestly, more passively. Before cell phones, really, that took us pretty far away from ourselves. So if you think about being in line at the grocery store, you'd normally sit there and you'd kind of work out a few things in your head, reflect on the day, get your priorities in order for the rest of the night. But now you look, everyone's on their phone, right? Nobody's even taking a few minutes to be with their thoughts. If you're on a bus or a subway, everyone's on their phone. It's the same thing. So when we just sit with our minds, we start to make sense of everything going on there. And that includes having priorities or worries that bring you nothing in return, right? If you're worried about the same thing every day and it never flips to, and I'm excited about this, I'm lucky, I'm grateful for this, then sitting that and seeing that repetitively every day or multiple times a day is going to force you into change. So with being stuck at home or having to to move, right, having less work, um, inevitably, even if you're not meditating, you're being forced to slow down and sit with yourself. Um, so a lot of people, yeah, definitely have had illumination around not feeling fulfilled by by what's been going on. You might also look at what's happened and and be like, well, we asked for this, right? Mm -hmm. As a collective, everyone, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to work nine to five. Uh, I don't want to get up early. And then boom, right? Enough people thought it that that (laughs) happened. And I'm not going to go into it now because it would be a big tangent. But we can look at what happened astrologically with the start of COVID. And it was a pretty significant event with the collective planets that's purpose to really take us into this next uh, evolution of society. So this isn't, you know, looking at the past two, 12 years, but the past hundred 
that yeah. we're kind of moving on to a new cycle from over the next, and it's we're not out of it, right? Two, two, three more years before we take what's processing right now and step step into a, a little more idealistic, equal um, civilization. And while I think you hit really well on the folks who are feeling calm, I, I think there's a lot of folks who feel calmer right now. Like when I look at my 2020, it was overall really good for me. And I, and I did have so much more time. The theme of my 2020 was slow the fuck down. Mm. Like, and if you're not going to do it yourself, we're going to force you to do it. And we, as in like the higher powers, you know, we are going to force you, but people who aren't feeling those feelings are feeling terrified, still feeling scared and and who didn't have a, a, a more positive outlook on 2020. Like I did. And I know there are tons of people. Yeah, that's true. Extroverts. And even more so people who lost someone or who Mm -hmm. experienced incredible grief. What do you say to them? Is there anything you can say to them as an astrologer about, about what is moving forward, the new paradigm? Absolutely. So talking about the chakras, we were having a very unstable root chakra. That is what this uh, the beginning of the pandemic really catalyzed as was our root chakra was being uh, brought kind of this collective shadow to the front and getting very destabilized. And right, if you're leaving your home, lose your job, or your health is threatened, those are all examples of having a unstable, weak root chakra. Now, the reality is, we are always this close to that that loss that chaos right um our health every day is a blessing you know my sister was hit by a car when i was 11 she was 15 and she was in a coma for months and you know has been recovering ever since and walks with a walker today but i approach life with that mentality you know that bus that car can come any minute And it's so true. Um, So when you lose and you experience a lot of loss, hopefully that creates some perspective for gratitude, right? I'm grateful to be alive today because you never know if you're going to have another tomorrow. I'm grateful that I can hug this person in my arms and that they're alive right now because you never knew that they were going to be tomorrow. So loss, that's that polarization again, right? We can't experience anything without duality. Mm -hmm. Mm, Duality. I love that you just mentioned that. We talked in a previous episode about uh, when you don't live fully open and you don't allow yourself to feel the sadness, feel the loss, then you don't fully feel the joy either. And not it's not only just allowing yourself to feel something, it's the experience too. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think we could look at some collective things, right? We're both women. So as women, you are oppressed in certain ways. As Black people or people of color, you are oppressed in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Then you look at some people, right, who are on top of the system, are white men in America who don't face oppression. They don't have that polarity to understand what it's like on a personal level to fight for equality, right? It's like this theoretical experience. Um Now, with that, what's the opposite of this oppression? Empowerment, right? Fighting for a cause, justice. And these are all things that like move through us as a result of that. So certain experiences set you up to experience more or less duality. And that brings us back to having harder or busier or simple and easier lives. Um, but it is more colorful, certainly. When more pain is built into your experiences, you will inevitably have more pleasure. Mm. 
So I think we kind of went over all of the different offerings that you mm-hmm. um, told me about before. We didn't go that far into your tarot readings. Do you want to speak mm-hmm. at all about that? Sure. You know, um, and I'll just sum up, right? I do astrology readings, tarot readings, and spiritual life coaching. The astrology readings, like I said, look at your whole life, and that's a lot of information. Um the tarot readings look at the present. We'll usually take a peek into the recent past and recent future. But that's like when you are just ugh, driving yourself mad with confusion. And when we're going mad with confusion, there's usually something you are trying to ignore, right? You know the answer. You just don't, you don't want to hear it. <laughs> you don't want to accept it. Uh, and, and that's in tarot can be really great. So people often come asking about relationships, careers, or, you know, even things about where they're living. Should I move to this place? Um, those are, yeah, when you've got a question or a topic that you can't, you can't get past on your own. Tarot is very helpful. Um, whereas astrology deals with much bigger questions, right? Having to do with like your soul's purpose. Uh, if you were going to start a business, that's a good time too to look at look at your birth chart. Maybe consult a astrologer. And then, how can folks find you or work with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can find everything on my website, thechakraoracle.com. Um, also on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as the Chakra Oracle. Um, and then if you sign up to my newsletter, I send astrology updates, including which chakras you can work with at that time that are going to be most supportive uh, in healing. And I have a free chakra balancing course on my website at this time that uh, will probably only be up for about another month or two. So you could check that out as well. Perfect. Well, this was such a, an illuminating, fun conversation. Mm-hmm. Luna, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. It's been great. And I always love going into the stars and the cosmos. Wow. I loved this conversation with Luna. If you want to follow her on her Instagram, YouTube, website, all of those good places, I will put all the links in the show notes. And remember to tune in next week when I do a solo episode about my own reading with Luna. You can follow me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin and at the Light Within Podcast. Send me an email if there's someone you want to hear on the podcast. That address is the light within podcast at gmail.com. Download this episode, rate it, review it, share it with someone you love. And remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time.